the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon Easter. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins and here we go on our weekly digest on Matters Green. Dale Vince, the entrepreneur and environmentalist, is the man with the key to the door on all of this. I mean, to say it's been a busy week, Dale, is somewhat of an understatement. Yeah, I mean, really busy. I literally just got off with talk radio, talking to my good friend and your good friend, I think, Mike Graham, about uh, all things environmental, 15 minutes on right-wing radio. Yeah, let's have a little listen then to what Mike Graham uh, said we should all do. So here's what I want you to do as part of Earth Day. Now, if I'm going to eat something vegan, then so should you. And if you are thinking about getting into your car, just don't. Don't get in your car. Get on a bike. Now, that sounds to me, Dale, like a a man with his finger on the pulse. Uh, sorry, I had to bite my tongue there. Uh, I mean, absolutely. I was like, I was like shocked. This is Mike Graham saying, give up your cars, uh, you know, stop eating meat. Although he thought cheese was okay. So, I mean, but that's understandable. And um, yeah, I was like, wow, like go Mike, but this is exactly what we need. You know, it was Earth Day and he was telling his listeners to, you know, get involved and uh, make some changes and try it out. I mean, I love it. I mean, in terms of getting people on board, I mean, you know, the, the list that Mike gave, we just played a little edited version of it there. I mean, that, that is the, that's the list you would have yourself, right? I mean, the, the giving up the meat and, you know, being mindful of what we drive and how often we fly, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I feel that Mike is on the path, actually. Uh, we've been talking probably over a few months uh, on air. And, um, you know, we sent him some vegan burgers. He just told me on air today, just now, that he's going to try them at the weekend. And yeah, we're yeah. having a big old debate about XR and the climate crisis. And I mean, he's a funny man. You know, he's, he thinks that the answer to the climate crisis is we all get air conditioning. And I had to point out that we can't fight the climate crisis with air conditioning. That just makes it worse. Reminiscent of a Homer Simpson episode where it's a hot day and he opens his fridge because he thinks that's the way to stay cool. (laughs) But I guess what would happen if we did just all get loads of air con everywhere is that the climate crisis would carry on. We just wouldn't realize it. That's the difference. Well, I think we'd make it worse, wouldn't we? Uh, that's the thing. Yeah, but you we'd know, all be air conditioned in our houses on on that basis. So yeah, we yeah, but we wouldn't be able to go outside, and you know, we'd be uh, using a lot more energy to cool our homes, uh, which you know pumps heat back into the atmosphere actually, because you just swap the heat from one place to another. And uh, I mean, it's a nightmare idea to tackle the the symptom, not the cause. We've got to get to the underlying cause of climate. I can't even believe I'm having this discussion actually, but I had it with Mike. You know, no, we cannot get away out of the climate crisis with air conditioning. That's not going to happen. Did you say tackle the Simpsons or Simpsons? <laughs> yeah, I did say Simpsons. That's in reference, you said. <laughs> uh, well, let's have, I mean, cause it was Earth Day as well this week. We'll come to that. Let's have a listen to what the President of the United States said. So let's run that race because scientists tell us that this is the decisive decade. This is the decade we must make decisions that will avoid the worst consequences of the climate crisis. Uh, this comes on the back of Earth Day. Uh, world leaders got together, of course, and, and that was Joe Biden. This is the decisive decade. Now, a lot of people might cynically, and this is the sort of thing I think Mike Graham would put to you, would say, hang on, we've been told many, many times this is the decisive 
decade. This is the year after this year. We dilute the possibility of changing anything. A lot of people might think, because this is all about converting people and getting people to understand who previously didn't, might be forgiven for thinking, hang on, I've heard this before. Yeah, I've heard it before, but we're still talking about the same decade as far as I'm aware. And, it, you know, we're into it now. We're, uh, we're a year into it. And, uh, and I thought, it, you know, all was lost. We had Johnson at the helm here, Trump at the helm over there. And I could see the first half of that decade just being a throwaway. And that would make the second half much harder because the later we choose to start to act, the harder it gets. But, you know, Joe Biden right now, it's like it's like waking up from a bad dream to, to find Joe Biden in the White House. The things he says, the things he's doing. I mean, my God, they're fantastic. I'm so excited by that. Yeah. I, I mean, the other side of that is that some would say, well, you know, dear old Joe struggles to string a sentence together. So there's somebody else behind this uh, throwing the words. And I guess you might say, well, that doesn't matter. Yeah, I would say that doesn't matter. And I would say, well, Trump wasn't uh, wasn't a great speaker, was he? He struggled to string stuff together. Sure. Co- coherent thoughts, let alone sentences. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think Biden has got a great team around him, which Trump never had. And uh, I mean, teamwork is what gets things done. You know, it's not all about one person. Uh, So, you know, that's a non-issue for me. Uh, Well, here's what Boris Johnson said about the whole thing. This is not all about uh, some expensive, uh, politically correct uh, green act of of bunny hugging uh, or or however you want to put it. I'm not wrong with bunny hugging, but you, you, you know what I'm driving at. Well, he says there's nothing wrong with hugging a bunny. We should say that, you know, please get the owner's permission first. However, I mean... Is he right? Are you a Johnson convert now? He's not knocking around with Trump. He's in the Biden camp. Yeah, no, listen, I'm a fan of bunny hugging. And I mean, Johnson is just um, somebody that jumps on a cause, isn't he? So he can see the way the world is moving now with Biden in charge. And he has to he has to change his tune in the same way that he did when Trump was in charge. You know, he wanted to uh, you know ride on the coattails of Trump. Now he's going to ride on the coattails of Biden. Uh, I don't care because it means hopefully we'll get to do the right thing. He's at least saying the right things. Mm. There's always a big gap though between that and doing the right things. But then, he, of course, this week he also announced the a further reduction or a speeding up of the reduction of emissions, seventy uh, odd percent by twenty thirty five. Yeah, and I'm not sure how much that is, you know, a, a, a big deal because the the date moved from 2050 100% to 75%, you know, 20 whenever it was, and and you know, even if that is a, a ratcheting up of the actual ambition, we've still got to have the policy that delivers that. And so this is still the government that we're allowing a new coal mine to go ahead in Cumbria, a third runway at Heathrow. Europe's biggest gas-fired power station at Drax, and who want to slash domestic flying duties so that people can fly more in in this tiny country of ours. So this is still a government that is doing a lot of things wrong. So the outcome of these fine words has to be real policy. Yeah, it's it's said reasonably and accurately that, that this all only really works is everybody comes together. And of course, what jumped out of this um, this, this climate conference, if we can call it that. Was that China and India are not committing to the same levels of carbon reduction, and 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 some would, again, not unreasonably argue, well, that house of cards falls down if you don't have two big economies behind it. Then what's the point? Yeah, and I disagree. It's always been said, uh, you know, we need to change what China does. For example, it's it's a lame excuse for people that. you know, don't want to confront the realities of what we have to do. We are the biggest polluters on the planet in the West. Our developed economies have driven the climate crisis. And 
it's right to expect other countries to move at a different pace. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't detract from the right thing to do for us, which is to decarbonize. And the best way to persuade other people to join you is to show by doing, not to sit there talking about it and berating them and saying you should do more, but get on with it yourself and, uh, and show them how it works. Yeah, I noticed the Australian Prime Minister as well, Scott Morrison, has stopped short of endorsing the 2050 target as well. He just said, we'll get there as soon as we can. Very Australian thing today. As soon as we can, mate. Yeah, we're on it. Yeah, we're on it. Yeah, just going to dig a bit more coal up. Yeah. yeah. Says, we don't make like commitments lightly in this country. <laughs> yeah, Australia. It's, I mean, Australia is becoming the new America under Trump, isn't it? Well, I think I'm right in saying that they are the biggest, highest per capita carbon emitter among richest nations. Wow. Wow. And, you know, a lot of they that... They really have be, got work to do. Yeah, they have. And a lot of that would be down to uh, air conditioning. Our, you know, our friend Mike, Mike <laughs> flagged, you know, because it's, it's getting stupidly hot yeah. in Australia. It's getting a stupidly hot. A lot of air down under, and yeah. it's not changed things, has it? No. no. Uh, here's a question that comes in from Dom on Facebook. I'm disgusted the BBC have stopped Blue Peter from encouraging our kids to eat less meat. What do you think, Dom? They rode back, didn't they, on the, on, on the whole issue the other day? Yeah, they did. I think it's wrong. And I think that's a result of a farming lobby. You know, uh, our good friend, uh, I call him Hugh, but that's his brother, Wynne Jones, you know, the, the yeah, dude, the, the sheep farmer dude. Yeah. yeah. People like him have been all over this pressurizing the BBC. And it's, it's just so wrong because uh, stopping eating animals is is the biggest, simplest, single thing any of us can do to fight the climate crisis. And and also, blimey, it's, it's so good for health as well. I mean, what's What's wrong about telling kids to eat more healthily and in a way that respects animals and the climate crisis? Yeah. And how much time has Wynne Jones got? You know, he's got to farm land, he's got to look after sheep, and then he's got to call the Blue Peter Complaints Department. What, <laughs> what a day is that? Yeah, well, maybe looking after sheep is easier. I than gave them what for over there at the BBC. <laughs> you can hear Wynne Jones saying it. He'd be very proud of this. He thinks he's won a campaign. Yeah, it's, it's something funny I'll, I'll just share here because... Uh, you know, Wynne Jones, I'm sorry, I forgot his name. It's not Hugh because uh, he berated just call me. call him Wynne Jones. Yeah, listen, well, I don't want to be rude, but we'll call him Wynne Jones. Yeah. Um, anyway, he trots out this this argument that you hear often from farmers and defenders of, of eating animals, which is that there are parts of our country that you can only go grass on. They can't do anything else with it. So we might as well make what he calls high quality protein from it. Firstly, we don't have to do anything with it. We can just let nature have it. But moving past that, uh, I thought to myself, well, let's let's see if we can find a way to actually do something with that grass and make protein from it without using um, sheep or cows mm. to convert that grass into protein for us. So I've asked the guys at the Devil's Kitchen to start to think about how we can turn grass into protein that humans can eat. Nice. Uh, well, that leads us into a question from Jane who says, uh, I heard Mike Graham and Ian talking about your burgers on talk radio this week. Uh, mm. What are they called? Where do I get them from? Well, you've just alluded to it. Yeah, we had a conversation, and you alluded to it earlier as well, that um, Mike at this stage hadn't tried the range, but I have, of course. Uh, delicious, tasty, gorgeous, all the rest of it. Can we give Jane some info? Yeah, of course. The company's called The Devil's Kitchen, and uh, the favorite one for me is the shiitake mushroom burger. There's a green Thai curry one as well and some spicy balls, and they are available at Ocado at the moment, uh, only Ocado at the moment is what I mean to say. We're hoping to get them into other supermarkets soon. They're also available on match days at Forest Green when fans are allowed back, but that isn't any time uh, too soon. Yeah. You can go to the Brit Awards, but not a football match. 
Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. Oh, they're in schools as well. We're in about 2,000 schools with those oh, wow. at the moment, and that's growing very fast. I mean, it's super popular, but they're free from all the food allergens you can name, all 14 of them, and I can't even name all 14 of them. Yeah. And uh, they're made in a factory with, like, uh, powered by the wind and the sun. Um, it, you know, it's a fabulous little setup, superfood, just made from pea protein, shiitake mushrooms, uh, and vegetables. Nice. Uh, this is from Luca says, hello, Dale. I'm a new listener from Milan. I wish there were more of you in the world. Italy doesn't have as many electric cars as the rest of Europe. People just aren't buying. How do we change that? I think it just takes time, you know. Um, I, I think people change when people change, if you know what I mean. So we see it in other people. We see it in other countries and, and ideas. They percolate that way. So, uh, you know, I won't give up hope at all. If it's not happening fast enough in Italy right now, it will do. Because this is an irresistible change in the affairs of the world. The drive towards sustainability, nobody can stop it now. Yeah. I saw this story as well. Uh, the massive melting of glaciers as, as a result of global heating has caused marked shifts in the Earth's axis hmm. of rotation. This is since the 1990s. I mean, that's significant, right? Yeah, no, I hadn't seen that. Um, actually, I mean, the, the magnetic north moves, doesn't it? And every now and then, north and south flips, which is a really kind of scary concept. Uh, you know, we we kind of born into this life, aren't we? And we think that everything around us is kind of permanent, that, you know, it's completely stable and secure. But uh, the idea that our magnetic north and south can flip, the axis of the earth can change, the climate can change. Uh, and we're actually, we can have a pandemic that shuts life down for a year. All of these things challenge that notion of, uh, of invincibility and permanence of the way that we live. Indeed. Um, this one from Toby. How do you think your campaign with the Daily Express is going? Has it really changed a single person's view, says Toby? I'm certain that it has because I've heard from uh, quite a few Express readers and, and the Express team have as well. Uh, I'm certain that it's changed people's view. And every week there's a platform. We're talking about environment issues. I get to write an op-ed. Uh, this week it was about Earth Day. You know, last week it was about the nature reserve down in the New Forest. And... Uh, we, we're going to tackle energy next, the concept of energy independence and that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it is a chance to talk to a new audience in a new way. And I mean, it has to be doing some good. It just has to be. And Vicky says, I was enjoying your live stream series, Dale. Uh, plans for any more? I'd love to see you chatting with Greta. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. I think she's probably very busy. But um, yeah. Uh, I'll pass it on to Will. They were quite successful, weren't they, as well, the live stream stuff? Yeah, I mean, they are fun. Uh, I did one last night, actually, with the university in the, in the US, and uh, and that was interesting. I mentioned the uh, food from grass idea, and, and a bunch of undergrads uh, immediately picked that up. Some biochem undergrads are, are on the case right now in America, so that's really interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I love live events. They're super fun, and um, I think chatting to Greta could be fun, uh, although we might just agree on everything. Um, that's very true yeah there might be that <laughs> yeah. uh, i mean talking about live event you know festivals are around so there are some very limited festivals this year incredibly limited but next year that'll be back and i know you've done stuff as well festival wise so that should return to the diary as well yeah and i think i'm going to do more festivals now in in a way it's a little bit back to my roots um you know from being a traveler and stuff i am a big fan of festivals love being outdoors and watching music and and, and amongst people you know I'm, I'm gonna do a little bit more of that but i think WOMAD's back on this year which is super and we'll be there with a with the ecotricity stage and stuff and hosting talks hopefully john snow will come and host that for us and we'll get into some uh, some lively discussions Fantastic. And digital clothes, just to finish on, what can digital clothes mean for the environment? What, to some people might say, what do you mean by digital clothes? Well, you print your own jumper. 
<laughs> well, almost, almost. We talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't did. we? Those Gucci shoes that I really like the look of, and you can't buy them in the real world. And yeah, so the idea is you it's digital clothes, it's shoes, it's tops, it's, it's trousers, whatever, and you buy them. They don't cost you as much as the real thing, uh, obviously, and um, you send in a picture and they fit the clothes to you. And then you can use that picture on social media, you can use it in games, uh, for example. You know, it's kind of like a thing. And I really like it. I think it's a lovely idea, partly because it's, it's sustainable, actually. You know, you can have a, a whole wardrobe of digital clothes with a very small footprint. Yeah, true. And um, we like it so much that we're going to do something with Forest Green in the digital fashion world in a couple of weeks' time. Good work. Dale, cracking stuff. We will speak in a week. Nice one. Thank you, Ian. Have a good one. That's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Do leave a review there as well. You can get in touch, zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. And the really important bit, of course, is you follow Dale on social media, which is twitter.com slash dalevince or facebook.com slash dalevince. And we will be back in a week. Zero Carbon East off.